Hey you, letter lover. Wanna discover the holy grail of lettering, take a vow of loyalty to beautiful letter forms, and set yourself up for success? Then join my free training, The Ten Commandments of Lettering. It's totally for free for a limited time. Head to martinaflor.com slash commandments of lettering. See you there. Uno, dos, tres. Welcome everybody to Letter Now, a podcast where we nurture the hand lettering masters of tomorrow today. My name is Martina Flor. I'm a lettering artist, author, educator, and the host of this show. And today we'll be talking about how to develop your style as an artist. We'll be answering questions like, is style important? How can you make personal work that appeals to clients and makes you money? How do you find your, your style and how long does it take to find it? And to discuss all of this and more, I have Murugia with me. Murugia is an artist and designer based in London, UK. Um, and he's born and raised in UK with a Sri Lankan heritage. Hi, Murugia. So happy to have you on my show. How are you doing today? Hi, Martina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing very well. I was a little bit frantic setting up my brand new microphone setup. But um, yeah, I'm happy it's all set up and I'm yeah, I'm here. Happy to talk to you. Thank you Amazing. so much Did I pronounce your name properly, Murugia? Yeah, it's one way to pronounce it. It's yeah. I would I would pronounce it Murugaya. Murugaya, Murugaya. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, I have a little thing on my Twitter account that says "Say my name," and it's Murugaya. <laughs> Amazing, because I was actually. I was actually practicing your name from your Twitter <laughs> description and I thought like, oh, I got this. <laughs> so, so I'm really excited to have you um, on the show today because I was telling you before we started the show that I'm really crazy about your work. I discovered um, Murugaya's work um, a, about a year ago and I was really hooked. His work is energetic, exciting happy, intriguing, colorful, and surreal in a way that really stands out in the crowd in such a unique manner. And I just thought it was so different from a lot of things that I have seen out there. And I'm really curious to unveil the stories and decisions that led to developing such a unique style. Um, so if you were to define your work in a few words, how would you define it? I think you use some of the words that I would normally use. Um, very happy, positive, mm. very colorful and surreal. Um, I think the surrealness of the work is something that is probably the first thing I think about whenever I tackle any kind of project. So if I were to define it in one to two words, it would be surreal and colorful. Yeah. And for those that don't know um, um, Murugaya's work uh, yet, I will add a link to your website and to your social handles on our show notes. Um, so we received tons of questions from our listeners in this show, and many of them are related to developing a style, which tell me that there's something really present for artists and um, is something that really keeps us busy and it seems to be important in one way or another. So. I'd like to kick off this conversation by asking you if you think that having a style as an artist is important and which place does it occupy in your career as an artist? 
It is a very interesting question and something I have um, grappled with for many, many years uh, to a point where it's brought me to tears sometimes. So mm. I completely understand the importance of the question. But the answer I would say is that it's more important to have an approach to the work rather than a specific visual style. Mm. If you have, if, if your approach is surre surreality like mine, mm. but mine is, is, is an approach, it's not a visual style. So it's, it's how I would always approach the work. Um, that is the most important thing. And the, the visual style of the work changes over time. It has to, so you can keep busy, so you can keep happy with it. You know, if you do the same thing for your entire career, you won't enjoy your, your career. So the, the, the actual visualness of the work changes, but the approach never really does, because that is the way that the individual thinks themselves, which we can get onto a bit later. But so long answer to your question. Um, I would say that it is somewhat important, but the approach to the work is far more important. Yeah, that's such an interesting that's such an, an interesting way of seeing this because I think that also trying to stay within a certain style can be sometimes limiting, right? So it's sort of mm -hmm. that you know, you feel that you have reached that once you feel you have reached that style that defines you, then at some point it becomes sort of like your little box where you cannot move out of those boundaries, right? So looking at it as an approach and more like a way of looking at things or a a perspective um, mm -hmm. sounds much more freeing and sounds much more um, dynamic than having a, a style, right? Yeah, there's, for, for example, in my work, there's no reason a very large foot can appear in the middle of my canvas next to a family scene that I've drawn. Do you know what I mean? That's the surreality of the work. Like, if I can take that approach every time, I'm very limitless in terms of how I tackle any job or any piece of work. Um, and the same could be said for if you have a, a non-surreal style, if you have a very kind of calming style or something that's Um, character driven you know it's always about the characters so those are the things you focus on I tend to look at um, filmmakers quite a lot and we can take an example most recently I went to see June last night at mm. the IMAX and the director of that movie has always focused on characters even though he has this crazy visual style Denis Villeneuve but each film is very different um, but But what's always the same is the characters and the, and the kind of development of the characters. Um, and that is his approach. He's always interested in character over anything else. So, yeah, that would be my answer. Amazing. So, um, you know, this is a listener-driven show. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about your approach and your story and experiences as we go down the questions today. So we will start with messages coming from social media. You can send us your questions through Instagram on Martina Flor or at Martina Flor. You can also send your voice memos with questions and comments by simply going to Martina Flor dot com slash voice message or email your voice memo to podcast at martinafloor.com. So our first question is from Lamar. How do you make your clients commission you for your personal work? And I think that I get what Lamar is asking here because especially when it comes to commercial artists, I feel that there's always the fear of 
doing work that is so personal that it just stops being commercial, right? So, or many of us feel that the work that we do for ourselves or our personal projects can be wild and crazy and unique, while the work we do for clients needs to stay more toned down and more mainstream, right? And and I want to pass it to you now and ask you how you incorporate that pursuit in your work and how do you create work that is personal but can also speak to an audience and attract clients? Yeah, I mean, if you have a look at my Instagram page, it's a very good example. There is clearly defined commercial projects and personal projects and you can always see the personal project is crazier, it's wilder, it's far more um, art-based. It's, you mm -hmm. know, it would be hung in a gallery rather than commissioned by a magazine or a record cover, for example. And what I'm trying to do with my work is have a balance between the two. Mm -hmm. So whenever I do a commercial project, I will immediately after do a personal piece of work so that I can free my mind a little bit more and kind of express myself more and over time in doing that i started my commercial work started to get crazier and my personal work started to get more rigid you know there's a way of combining both it's a very difficult thing to answer because i don't really see them as separate i never really see them as separate i always say my best advice is to do one for you and one for them and eventually those mm -hmm. two things will merge uh, where you can't, you won't be able to see the diff. The only difference you'll be able to see is the fact that a client has hired you to do the work, you know. And what does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Um, what, what would you think that defines, or what would you think are the characteristics of the one for you? And, you know, what that sets apart from the one for them, right? What would you say is the difference there? For me, the only difference is that the one for them has a couple of more, couple more uh, brief requirements, for example. Mm -hmm. So I did a gig poster for a band, Krungving, recently, and the band had a particular um, style, a visual style. They had three members in the band and they make their music on a farm, basically, in a, in a barn on a farm. So a couple of things needed to be included, you know, mm. the barn building, the cows, the three members, and the gig poster, the actual venue was in Aspen. And the basis of the band, she told me that in Aspen, they have these trees that have eyes on them. And, and immediately I was like, I can do my version of this. You know, I can make this very surreal as soon as she told me. So it's picking out those moments, those brief requirements from the client and being able to manipulate them in your own thinking. That's why I always say it's about your approach rather than your visual style. How would you represent eyes within trees, you know? Um, so the difference really is that there is a client and they do have the occasional brief requirements here and there. And it's what you do with them that kind of makes it your own. Yeah. And how did your style come together? And how long did it take for you to realize that you had a style or an approach? Wow, okay, so this took a long, long time. It may look like it didn't because <laughs> over the last two years, I've had a very con somewhat consistent look about the work. 
I started illustrating in 2012 mm. and it's taken that long really so early 2012 I had no idea what I was doing and I was almost from 2012 until about honestly until about 2018 I was mimicking things that I liked from other artists it's mm. not the most it's not the best thing to do, but I, I don't um, fault myself for doing it either because it's I was enjoying work that I liked and mm -hmm. I was trying to represent it still in my own way. But eventually I realized that I wasn't happy with the work and I could see that it wasn't resonating with anybody, including myself. Mm. And I had a close friend who I kind of speak to about artwork and he's an artist himself. And, and we had a conversation and I said, what is it? I, I was in such a distraught state that I was said to him, what is it about my work that you like? And he said, I've always liked the flat color, flat line style that you did in early 2012. What, you know, how come you don't go, how come you aren't doing that anymore? And I said, cool, I enjoyed that too. That was great. Um, and then I asked the question, I said, how can I make it more unique? How can I make that style? Everybody has that style. So many people have a flat color line style. How can I make it more me? Hmm. And I answered my own question. I said, well, he said, well, who are you? Where are you from? What do you, you know, what, where did you grow up? Or where are your parents from? And that's when I realized that to make the work me more you more me i had to pull references from my cultural background from my western upbringing the combination of the two that fit within my personality i love making movie posters movies are my favorite thing in the world and when i got the opportunity to make movie posters for clients i knew that i could do it really well because i've i had developed this surreal colorful style but the development of that style happened two years ago at the beginning of the pandemic mm. I had the time to just make colorful work that um, I needed to make at the time and I kept pulling in references from my cultural background and that's what started to bring that unique quality to it and I think that's the stuff that people resonate with um, the other thing about my work that I think is unique is the composition uh, whenever I get feedback from a client or from a friend they cannot understand how I put these things together in this kind of jigsaw puzzle kind of way. And I, all I can say to that is, I think that is just the way I think about things, the way my mind works. Um, I studied architecture for many years and there's a compositional element to designing your buildings and planning out your buildings and that must have something to do with it. But again, it's the advice that I give everyone, find those unique things about yourself and they will drive the work. My education in architecture and my compositional skills have clearly driven the work in some way. And um, yeah, that's that's where the style came from. I hope I have answered that in a concise way. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, what I hear from what you said or what I picked up from what you said is that uh, in a way, your style and approach developed through combining a technique that you felt was you know, appropriate and that you could do well, this line, flat line um, kind of technique uh, combined with your story and also your way of thinking, right? So the way you structure a page or the way you think about a project, right? 
Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And if if you have that unique way of looking at things, you can apply it to almost anything. Um, which is why I can do a magazine cover for a Marvel movie or a gig poster for a band or another album cover for a completely different artist. You know, mm. there's there's ways of manipulating the work so that it fits the client, but also has this um, unique kind of way of looking at it within your own portfolio. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't think many other artists and illustrators do that. Some a lot a lot of them stick within the same kind of client base or just do editorial work or you know. But I think if there, there's definitely a way to to branch out and do as many things as possible, it's the way I look at things as well. And do you think that one can make a living as an artist without having a defined style or a a defined approach? Yes, I do, because there are plenty of examples of that. Um, a recent uh, friend over the internet, uh, Kiko Sternberger, she is a movie poster artist, and every single one of her film posters is completely different. Mm. And it's not the style, it's the way she thinks about each film poster. Her mm. creative thinking is the thing that's selling her work. And uh, she is someone that I've looked up to for many years, not even knowing who she was for many years, just seeing her posters. And when you go on her website or her Instagram page and you look at the posters, you you get a sense of, oh, she, you get a sense of her ideas, but she's allowing herself to apply visual techniques in very different ways across each poster. So uh, the answer is, yeah, no, you don't need a continuous style at all. You can... You can look at things very differently each project, but you have to build in that selling point that is, this is the way I do things. Like, you know, uh, yeah. It's yeah, what, 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 what kind of makes you unique, right? So you kind of have to put that thing that really makes you the person to do that and not other artists, right? And I think that what you just said is so freeing for many of our listeners that, you know, our listeners are artists or designers. Um, and as I said, I think many of us pursue the idea of developing a very, like a signature style. And oftentimes it's not so much about the style itself or the form or, you know, the shapes, but it's more about a, an approach or a way of looking at things and is a way of also solving problems, right? Or like approaching a brief right so yeah, i think this is I this is really agree yeah i i completely agree i i, I guess the, the downside to doing it that way is that it takes a lot longer to establish mm. yourself because each piece of work is very different and it does take a long time for clients to uh or and customers to see that to see beyond the visual you know to see further into the actual ideas of the piece As something you can do in addition to if you want to go down that road of um, each thing is very different and it doesn't have a continuous visual style, a good way to help your process would be to write something alongside the actual piece of work when you're presenting it, to talk about the way you were thinking or the way you were feeling. And then that gives more, it gives people more of a kind of thing to grab onto when they look at the work. Um, yeah. It is more difficult that way. That is a really good hint to sort of show that you are 
you know, you have a way of thinking beyond the actual res visual result. So to add that kind of clarification to your work or that kind of context to your work. So let's move on to the next question from Celine that's also coming from social media. So the question is, I'm pivoting towards illustration right now. How do you start building from scratch? And what I see often working with other creatives and illustrators is that more often than not, you know, a career in the arts is not the first thing that artists pursue. I believe that this is because of the narrative that we and the society have, has constructed around what's possible to achieve as an artist. And many of us, of us starts with a safe job, like quote unquote, safe job. Um, and I read an interview of yours where you mentioned that you worked in architecture for about seven years, which is a long time. And that at some point you decided to pivot to illustration or to follow your passion, which was illustration and art. And, I, and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about why you decided to pursue a career in architecture in the first place and how was the process of realizing that you wanted to do something different. And I am particularly interested in hearing how the process of transitioning was. So how was the process of like realizing that and saying like, okay, I'm gonna either leave my job, I don't know how the story went, but you know, how was the process of realizing that and how did you, what were the steps towards you know, becoming now a full-time freelance illustrator. Well, yeah, it's a it's a quite a long story. <laughs> so <laughs> apologies. But before architecture, when I was 17, 18 years old, I always wanted to be an artist. I spent most of my youth in my bedroom drawing, painting, and I watched lots of movies and then I would like um, redraw some of the characters and I and I, you know, it was definitely I was already on the path to being an artist. The downside is that I decided to include my parents in my decision. Mm. And <laughs> I asked them, I said, I really want to be an artist. Um, this is what I want to do. I know exactly what I want to do. I'm, I'd be happy doing it. And at the time, they were just being good parents. They said, we're not sure. We don't really know anything about that career. But uh, it sounds, it, from our understanding, our loose understanding of it is that it's a very unstable career. And we would like you to get a career in a creative industry that actually has a salary that you can apply for a job and work there for a long time. It was a very different way of thinking 20 years ago to what it was today. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was impressionable, obviously. And I said, sure, okay, that sounds good. I, you know, And my art teacher uh, suggested I do architecture. And that is why I went into architecture. So it wasn't because I was truly passionate about architecture, which is a bit, a bit silly to think back, you know, in, in that way. But I learned, I mean, you learn from your experiences, so it's all good. You take good, good and bad things from them. So by the time of the end of the architecture training, which is seven years, it's a very long time, I was starting to make work where the art side of architecture was coming through more than the architecture side. Mm. My buildings were very well planned out. They were, I was presenting the buildings really well. And these big presentations, everything was printed out and color coordinated. I had books and models that were all very well made together. It, it, it looked like 
someone who presented it really well. And there is an artistic skill in that. And my architecture teachers very kindly were saying, your strengths do not lie within the construction side of architecture, the built side, but they do lie very well in the presentation and the look and the, and the drawings and all of that. Have you thought about going into other careers, you know, graphic design, illustration, art? And it, it gave me a little bit of a jolt to think, what am I doing, you know, in this one career that I clearly don't really like that work much and I'm not uh, interested in partially. So at that point, I worked as an architect for a year after training and then my body told me to leave because I started to lose all of my hair from stress. Oh. Um, yeah, I lost very large clumps of hair and like, yeah, it was it was very, very bad. And that's when I called my parents and said, look, I don't think I can do this anymore. My body is telling me not to do this. And to their credit, they said, leave, do something else, do what mm. you want to do, just be happy. That's all we care about. And that's when I decided right, I need to switch careers. So I had saved quite a bit of money from my architecture, my year out in architecture. And I'd been putting money aside so that I could um, spend a few months without needing to um, earn any money. And in those few months, I started to develop a graphic design and illustration style. And I hadn't gone to university for those topics. So I just started to make work that I thought was cool basically and it was often alternative film posters it was alternative book covers um uh yeah and that's the first part of the story so I, I can I can because I then went on to get graphic design jobs as well so yeah the the transition from university to architecture in this working and then to leaving that was that it was uh yeah, my body told me to do it. <laughs> yeah, and that's so interesting that you're, you saw those signs on your body and your well-being and that this is what, you know, gave you the hint that there might be something wrong with your career choice. And I really wonder, like, I would really like to dig deeper into what you just said, which is that you took like a some sabbatical year or some sabbatical time um, and you save some money so that you can support that time without working and you started doing work to um, develop your style and I wonder how did your you know how did your day look like at that time how was it like you were waking up and sitting down to work on um, you know at your desk or how was that how what, what did you what was your briefing <laughs> I think, well, my emotional and mental state was happiness because I mm. knew that I was doing the right thing just from a personal point of view. Like I, I was having such a tough time in the previous industry that, you know, I would wake up and just sit at the computer and try working on some things and I'd be happy with it. It was really bad work as well. It wasn't very good, but I was very happy that I was doing it and that I was on a path that was heading closer towards what I was intending to do, which was be an artist and illustrator. So yeah, my my daily routine after that emotional state was waking up. I'm quite an early morning person. I kind of woke up quite early. I didn't have any clients or contacts or social media at that time. So 
I just took the opportunity to start making pieces of work that I thought were fun to me, basically. Um, as I said, alternative movie posters and book covers were things that I was like, oh, this is great. This is, I'd love to do this. So um, yeah, I started making those for, for a while. And uh, I would stick to a relatively regimented day. It would be nine till five. Um, I lived with a couple of other people at the time and they had good social life. So we'd go out, not, you know, in the nighttime with those guys and, and it would be fun. So I, I kept it pretty healthy. I wasn't, I wasn't worried about where will this go? What will happen to me? Like it was very much just make the work that you think would look cool. And, and that's the beginning. That's the start. Don't get too bogged down with anything else at the moment. Yeah. So that's how it started. Yeah. And I think that's, That could be like a really, I think it's a very good insight to answer to Celine's questions with, which is like, okay, how do you get started once, you, once you're pivoting from one industry to the other? How do you get started? First, like try yourself at doing more of that, what you want to do and see what comes out of that, right? So um, you had, I from what I hear, you sort of um, switch from working nine to five in a job you didn't like to investing that time to produce work and see how your skills develop through that, right? And this yeah. sort of gave you the courage to yeah. follow that down that path, right? Yeah, that's correct. And my personal story is not one that I would advise to others. So I am very much telling you the my history and the way I did it. But when it comes to actual advice to Uh, people doing it today, it would it would not be just start and figure things out. It would actually be find out the most unique thing about yourself mm. and start making work to not to do with any particular client. You know, don't do uh, drinks, um, bottle ideas or movie posters or book covers or anything like that. Associate no client with the work and just make art just make artworks that are personal to you in whatever way you think is personal to you and constantly i would say constantly think about those unique things about yourself and keep making work within that um window within that purview basically yeah because my my way of doing it took a long time and i only discovered that many years later you see so i now can advise other people in other ways so yeah Yeah, and I always find it so interesting to see how certain events influence or, you know, change or impact people's lives. Uh, so in your case, you realized through, you know, through your body that you were at a career path that wasn't making you happy. So you decided to completely pivot your life towards um, pursuing a life in the arts or pursuing the work of a freelance illustrator. And... Like following up to that, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned before that, you know, the pandemic as a life event as well, sort of impacted your work. You know, after years of working as an illustrator, you were already working for, I don't know how many years at that time or at, that, at the point the pandemic hit the world. Um, you were working as an illustrator already. And if I look at your Instagram feed, I can see a clear cut from the work you were doing before and after the pandemic. And I wanted to see, like, I wanted to ask you, how 
how come that impact or in which way the pandemic impacted your work and why did you decide to pursue other influences and other other um, stylistic palette in your work? Yeah, so I would say before the pandemic, the work before the pandemic was not honest. It wasn't mm. me. It, it didn't, there was some, it, it, it got more and more honest, closer to that quick, that change that you saw. Things became more, they kept getting more surreal and I knew I enjoyed that. So uh, they definitely, they went from a very realistic style, which I probably deleted from my Instagram. Yeah, so even before that, um, <laughs> It was very realistic. It was cartoon still, but it was like characters and people. And I did a Where's Wally book, uh, you know, for for Lawrence King Publishing at the time. And, and, that, and I enjoyed the work. But every time I would get to the end of a project, I would feel like I am. this isn't really me. This feels like someone else. This feels like something I've seen before or, you know, an il another illustrator that I like. And as I got closer and closer to the pandemic, I kept making work that I felt was surreal and fun for me but it still didn't feel truly like me like like I'm I'm like a fun positive person most of the time I want to hear about the the best bit of your day and I and I want to help you in in whatever issue you've got going on that that day basically I'm always looking to kind of help people and generally like bright colors and clothing and stuff and and you can see from my instagram that the work that was being made was dark and gritty and it had lots of textures to it and it was it, yeah again did not feel like me and the moment of the pandemic i it wasn't so much a quick like i need to change it, it was slowly building slowly building and then when the pandemic hit i thought to myself okay clients are not going to be around for a while and what all we're going to have to do is we've got time. We've got time to do things. So again, I would have saved early on when I started saving money, you know, to, to take some time off to make work. I've kept that attitude all the way through. So I've always taken every time I get a paycheck, I always put aside some money for savings and some money for my tax. Um, so again, I felt comfortable to use the pandemic time. Just try again, try something new. And that's when Uh, that change happened. That's when I called my friend up and that's when we discussed flat flat line, flat color, cultural influences, busy compositions. These are all of the things that I didn't know I was good at until someone else kind of told me I was good at it. You know, my friend told me I was good at these things. And then from that conversation, I was like, I'll just make a new piece every week. You know, just keep building, building, building with no intention of getting any clients. This is just expression you know like uh, artistic expression so that's what was happening that during the pandemic and sadly i mean the world was going to hell but i felt very good about what i was making i, I was mm. energized and felt really excited about what i was making every day and the comments kept getting better the the feedback kept getting better people became more and more interested and that's how it builds but having that time to make 30 or 40 pieces of work in those you know few months that's something that is very valuable and i don't know if you can do it in a normal time you know so yeah yeah and and just a follow-up question like do you feel that 
that also had an impact on your career or on your success as a as an artist? Do you feel that people started started noticing you more and clients started noticing you more? Yeah, it is totally not rocket science. If you're making work that you enjoy, you are putting positive positivity out there. You are putting your best self out there. And when you're putting your best self out there, other people respond to it and they want to they want to uh, see more of it and they want to commission you for it. They can see that you're doing something that is you know that you feel confident about. I think confidence is another thing that is very difficult to gain, but it, you can get it in work that is your own, truly your own. And yeah, clients did start, start to see that. I'm like, I'm on my Instagram right now trying to see where the first client came in. It was the Los Angeles Times. They saw my, they saw these 20 or 30 pieces of work, which were all incredibly brightly colored and, you know, crazy. And the first thing the LA Times did was say, hey, we like your compositions, but can we get rid of all of the color? <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Because the surrealness was still there. The actual mm. crazy approach was still there, you know. So I was like, yeah, let's go for it. And then from then on, it kept building and building. I love that. And before we move on to the next next segment, I want to just repeat what you just mentioned, which is that when you're putting yourself out there, people want more of it. So... Murugaya, we're moving on to our story time section. And you know that we all love stories. And in this section, we want to go beyond the perfectly curated lives that we normally share on social media. Uh, so we want to allow some space for real stories. And we want to hear about the biggest challenge you experienced as an artist and how that impacted your work and career and life. Is there any story you would like to share with our listeners? I've got it. I've got the story. So in the in the lead up to the pandemic, the style changed, the work changing, you know, um, to be more unique. I was um, making work that I could always reference to another artist. I could always say, oh, I really like this artist's work, so I'll put a bit of that in there. And I really and they were contemporary artists. They were people that were working today. Hmm. And I got some feedback from a few people that said, and the first, when they saw the, the work, they would say, that reminds me of this person. That reminds me of this person. And I started to get very, very upset and distraught. And I was really like, why am I not doing this? Why am I not getting it right? You know, and I, I really gave myself a hard time. And that's when the lesson came in of stop comparing yourself to other people. Hmm. and other other artists work there if you compare yourself to people working today and like you know compare your work to their work and and try and see differences or similarities it is not going to go very well and at that that was the moment when I realized I needed to change something and do something different and be more unique and you know find a way to kind of make work that felt more like me so it really was that moment I think it was 2017 or 18 when I realized that I needed to stop comparing myself to others and in therapy they call it compare and despair hmm. uh, you know you you see something and then you're worried that your thing is not as good as their thing and it's it happens in daily life and it's it's it, all the time um 
yeah, so it was that realization that I needed to, to stop comparing and despairing. And is there anything you or some habits that you change in order to stop doing that? I would say that um, very selfishly, you, you, I got very focused on wanting to, you know, I would do a piece of work and then I would say, how can I build on this thing? What else can I bring into this world? Uh, what other technique could I try, compositional technique? Or it was never... I was never trying to mimic someone else anymore or mm. reference someone else. I was, I, I wanted to build, char you know, I gave myself tasks uh, and goals to achieve. Um, and I just kept trying to uh, achieve those goals with every new piece, basically. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't as thought out as it sounds. I was very much just naturally, I'd start the next piece and I'd say, okay, I want this one to be a slightly less busy and have more of a kind of structured style to it. So let's start with that and then kept building and building each piece that way. Um, so I think the lesson in stop comparing and despairing is to literally stop looking at other people's work and to just very fo be very focused on your own journey and your own path. Um, yeah, that's the advice. That's the kind of thing. Yeah, and I also read or hear from what you're saying is that kind of find inspiration on your own process, right? So you were taking one piece that you did today and see how you could um, build on top of that. Whereas I think many of us or many artists out there try to just look for inspiration on other people's work. And especially, I think you were saying before that before you used to look at other or you look you used to look at work of other contemporary artists and people could see that influence in your work or you know it was really helpful to hear others saying like hey that looks like this other artist's work and you when you're actually trying to create your own personal mark right your own yeah. personal work and i think that finding inspiration on your own process will always keep you on track will always keep you like building on top of what you created before right yeah and it, it's it's not just that one thing it's not just um finding inspiration from from developing a new thing each time or, or building on your own process it's that plus the love of contemporary culture plus that Uh, interest in wanting to explore my own cultural heritage it's that plus my interest in wanting to use a certain set of colors you have to combine four or five different interests and elements and unique things about yourself and once they're all combined into each piece that's when you have something unique that's when you have something that's wildly different I'm looking at a piece now from let me just see I like to bring things back to an example because early 2020, 75 weeks ago, because that's what it says on Instagram, <laughs> the piece is called Play. And it's lots of, it's characters that I've designed that are kind of running around and playing around. And there are a load of platforms with a load of red balloons on the top. And the reason those red balloons are in there is because I was listening to the punk rock uh, cover of 99 Red Balloons. Um, The reason those platforms are in there is because I was referencing a Frank Lloyd Wright architectural building. It's there's so many different elements in a thing, in a piece, and you don't have to explain them all to anyone. You can just put them in there and see see what works. Um, yeah, 
the 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 way to develop a unique style and unique pieces of work is to mash together lots of different interests uh, that you have and it doesn't necessarily have to be visual interests it could be you know an interest in wanting to be fun and that's if that's a man mantra for your for that particular piece of work it will come out if, if that's what you plan for you know i, hope I love I'm making sense. it's uh <laughs> trying to explain surreal creative work is very difficult <laughs> and i think that makes perfect sense to sort of wrap up this um this show because all of the things we have discussed along the way have to do with you know, your story, but also your approach, the things you're interested about, your influences, and your process to create unique work. And I think all of this, as you just said, integrates in creating your style, right? So all of that is part of it. It's not just one thing and you will succeed. It's just, you know, honoring all those parts that make you, you, right? Yeah, I would say it's very much a combination of lots of different things, but the most important one is to discover the unique thing about yourself. That is the most important thing. Everybody's unique, everybody's different, and it may take a lot longer for some people to, to realize what's unique about them, but uh, that's the most important one. If you start with that, you will be onto a good path. And I love that because it's so empowering. It's like you don't have to go look for it somewhere else. You just need to find it's that within yourself. Within yeah. yourself. <laughs> I love that. So this is the end of our show. Um, it was so great to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us about finding your style and your own journey um, around you know, developing a career in the arts and finding your own style as an artist. And to to wrap up the show i would love to ask you if you would like to share something with you know our listeners our artists and designers and i want to ask you what would you say to someone that is just starting something that you would like you have liked to hear you would have liked to hear as you started yourself what would you say to someone i would say that um they should stretch more because my knees really hurt um, from sitting down all day. <laughs> no, that is a joke. Uh, I would say someone who is starting out, I would say it's very difficult at, when you're starting out because there are so many people on social media, so many artists who are clearly on their own paths, doing their own thing. And it can be incredibly demoralizing sometimes when you see yourself at the beginning And then you see these other people who are have gotten to their career goals and taken, you know, their career certain ways. And I would say, don't worry about it too much. You know, spend a lot more time focusing on yourself and your own uh, mental health and your own development as an artist. And if you if you do that and focus less on what's around you uh, in terms of other artists' work, you'll be on the right path. It's really very much about. Uh, a f self-focused thing um, yeah don't worry too much thank you so much Murugaya for being here today um, so this is it this is the end of our show you can find uh, oh we didn't say where to find you where can people oh, find yeah. you so you can find me 
uh, on murugaya.com, which mm -hmm. is my website, and that's M-U-R-U-G-I-A-H.com. I am at murugaya underscore on Twitter, and on Instagram, I am underscore murugaya. It's very confusing. <laughs> Amazing. We will Twitter add Instagram, put the underscores on the other way around, and you've got it. <laughs> Amazing. We're, we're going to add this to the show notes so that everyone can find you without exception, with the underscore or without the underscore, they will find you for sure. So this is it. You can find me, the host of the show, <laughs> at uh, Martina Flor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, you can just go to martinaflor.com slash podcast where you can see previous episodes find show notes and send voice memos with your comments and questions you can also watch these episodes on youtube just go to martinaflor.com slash youtube to find them you can of course listen to all of our episodes on your favorite podcast platform this is it for today if you love this episode subscribe to this podcast and if you leave us a review it will help others find us thank you all for listening Thank you, Murugaya, for being here today. And see you on the next episode of Letter Now. Bye-bye.